You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello, everybody. Thank you for choosing the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with the cousins, Derek and Tyler. Lots of excitement in Lincoln as spring practice is now underway. There was a major press conference yesterday featuring players, coaches, and, of course, Scott Frost. Uh, Tyler, what did you hear yesterday that stood out to you? You know, I think the, the you know the main takeaway or the biggest news bite of the of the press conference was the Mo Washington comments and how he is going to be limited. Um, you obviously you look at what that could mean to this team through spring ball, and you know you project a little bit further if he is limited for whatever the reason is. What does that do to our running back core? I think that is. The number one thing that caught my attention. Derek? Well, yeah, you know, it's, it's a scary thought to think you're going to lose your best running back, especially when we have a running back uh, room that is so thin right now. I mean, the best thing we got going for us is we got three guys coming in this summer, but they're all going to miss spring, guys, and we don't know what any of these three guys are going to turn out this year. Uh, right now we're basically relying on Jalen Bradley, which – well, I'll get into him a little bit later, but, man, it's scary what our running back room looks like right now, at least for spring. Well, you know, it's you're talking about Jalen Bradley. It's going to open up some doors for him. It's going to give him an opportunity that he damn sure didn't have last year. You know, uh, guys like him and that booty belt uh, that walk on give him an opportunity and some of those other guys. But you're right. it's It's pretty damn bare there uh, in spring if he's not a full-time participant, which it doesn't sound like he's going to be. Derek, what else stood out to you out of this press conference yesterday? Uh, To me, one of my biggest takeaways was JoJo Doman. Uh, I don't want to read too much into just him playing outside linebacker yesterday, which that was the comment really kind of made. But what stood out to me was the fact that he's up to 230 pounds. And this is like one of his first full seasons of uh, of real of truly lifting because he's been healthy through the whole off season, and it sounds like they really have him up to more of an outside linebacker weight rather than a safety weight. So it really tells me that they do want him as an outside linebacker. I I think they want to keep him as a hybrid, but they definitely want him more as an outside backer. Well, we talked about this a few weeks ago when we had our defensive depth chart, and you know we had the debate amongst ourselves. You know, where would he fit in best, outside linebacker or safety? And, uh, shit, it's outside linebacker. He, he excelled so much. I've, I'm so glad that he is going to retain that position. Tyler? Well, I was, I think I was the lone guy that saw him more as a safety. And, and, and you guys at this time, you know, as sitting here March 6th, look uh, more accurate than I did in that. But what I will say is part of that, I did not see them moving a guy like Cam Taylor into the safety role. And and I thought out of necessity, him at safety was going to make more sense. And obviously there's a lot of depth and they're going to be playing people around at different positions right now. And they, and that's what they should be doing. But, you know, Derek, to your point, the fact that he's bulked up um, the way he has, which is not something we've seen from Jojo in the off season, definitely puts me more on that outside linebacker hype train. Um, 
Justin, you're right. He did excel when he got those reps last year. He he gave us a pass rusher off the edge that we didn't see. I think he could do that again. I think he's going to be good in that coverage situation needed. Um, I love him there, too. I, it's not hating. So I, I think that was a really interesting tidbit and definitely makes me rethink some things on defense. Well, you mentioned the defensive backs. I want to stick with that for just a second. You know, Fisher, he was probably one of the more entertaining guys to listen to as far as coaches went. But uh, one of the things he brought up, and I, I bring this up more for I found it entertaining than anything, I guess. But he brought up the no phones in the meetings. And that wasn't the part I found entertaining. What I found entertaining was on Twitter, Nate Gary coming out and saying, in the Riley area, we used our phones during meetings all the time. I, maybe what? Yeah, this is what Nate Gary's saying on Twitter. They use their phones all the time in meetings. And, so, okay, so that makes sense because I was wondering why Scott Frost and the coaches were making such a big deal out of the no phones, the no cell phones. It's just like it's something well, that you'd think that's like it's like a no brainer, right? But well, the the problem is is Scott Frost and and and, and Fisher are kind of contradicting each other because Fisher's saying, "Yeah, I got no phone rule." Where Scott Frost is coming out saying, ah, my coaches don't, they're, they're not, you know, those uh, dictators. They're not going to tell them they can't use their phones or have social media. So I'm a little confused yeah. on what the actual rule is here. Uh, it, apparently, it sounds like uh, this is a defensive back rule. It sounds like it, it this does. is a it, defensive The defensive backs are the only ones that have talked about it. But at, at any rate, I just found it interesting and funny that, that Nate Gary had to chime in and talk about how they use their phones during meetings. You know, sometimes you get an important phone call. You know, I don't know. That's 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 nuts. Well, you know, you know I, Scott Scott I, Frost I, made the comment that guys were answering their phones and talking to their moms, and I don't know who they were really talking to. I assume he said moms just as a joke, but you know, he said people were talking to their moms during meetings. So I, apparently, this is becoming an issue, and they're putting a stop to it. So, what were you going to say, Tyler? I, I, I just like, you know, Nate Gary was a great Husker, and kudos to him. And I all I will say is if those guys could, under Pelini could have covered any gaps, name one gap, if they could have covered it in defense, we would have never been stuck with Mike freaking Riley, and it, <laughs> we'd have been a lot better off. But they couldn't. They, they couldn't tackle anyone in a gap ever. So that's why we got stuck with the three years of hell under Mike Riley. Wow. Uh, Jesus, I don't know where to go from here. But uh, I'm going to move on with what I liked out of the press conference, and that had to be Adrian Martinez when he was up in front of uh, everybody. His presser was just amazing. He showed tremendous leadership, and I was really impressed by his composure up there. I mean, he does not talk like he's a true sophomore. I mean, this dude sounds like he's you know, a fifth year senior talking to everybody. He's he just echoes everything that Scott Frost says. I mean, he's just so mature. I mean, he's more mature than we are, face it, right, guys? <laughs> but that doesn't take I mean, much. No, it doesn't. It does not. Hey, but you know, it's just we loved what he did on the field last year. And we talked about the sophomore slump once, you know, all the sophomore slumps like Taylor Martinez had. I don't see a sophomore slump come out of this guy. I think his head is in the right place. I just, I am so impressed with this guy. I can't wait to see him there. Well, we, well now that you bring that up, I'll start with that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of never really seen a sophomore slump with him. I, and it could still possibly happen, but the way Scott Frost is with second-year quarterbacks, he, 
His, his history says otherwise. His history always says yeah. they always improve a lot. And in and the, po- the, the poise that this kid has, absolutely. I see him improving. I, I, I don't know if he improves a lot. I just think he improves a lot of the stuff that, you know, he, he had so many fumbles last year, and some of them were just dumb mistakes. Like when he tried to throw a ball backwards to J.D. Spielman against Ohio State that we ended up fumbling. Because it was a yeah. backwards pass, you know, it was just stupid decisions that a freshman makes. So I yeah. anticipate that getting better, and if he gets that better, I don't know what he needs to get much better than anything else. As long as he continues to do what he did last year. Well, he, he said that he says, you know, he can't promise that he's not going to make mistakes, but he's not. He's going to try not to make the same mis- mistake twice. And, so, and that's I mean, great. That's, and that, that's awesome. And that's great. Now, my take after watching that kid was, man, he looks stacked, even with a sweatshirt on. <laughs> yeah, he does. Hey, let, let, me t- let me tell you, I'm going to kind of bunch this all into one kind of category here, but uh, the the weight room, the strength and conditioning appears to be really paying off because Ben Stilley looked like Adam Carricker still looks like. I mean, this guy, he looks huge. Yeah. His arms look like the size of my thighs, and I'm a pretty big dude. So, <laughs> I mean, that's saying a lot. Uh, the guy says he's up to 288 pounds. He was he was listed at 255 last year on the on the roster last year. Wow. So that's a, that's a big weight gain. I mean, that's a, and, and it's all muscle. Uh, you know, Austin Al, or uh, Greg Austin came out and talked about uh, how much the the uh, whole offensive line just looks better. He he, he called it uh, quote unquote residual strength, where you know these guys they're looking just as strong at the end of practice as they were at the beginning of practice. Where last year they faded off throughout practice all year. And, and so, if what he's saying is true, you you have to find some uptick to that. Like, I mean, that's a big improvement if you can go a full practice without without losing any your any of your energy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it just seems to be all across the board. All these guys are just the, the strength and conditioning seems to be really doing wonders right now. Tyler, well, no, I mean, well, geez, there's a lot to react there uh, too. But uh, you know, let me go in and just. You know, kind of go on the Adrian Martinez thing here for a quick second. You know, I Justin, I'm with you. I I I heard what you heard. I heard what Derek heard. Dude, Adrian Martinez may leave Nebraska as the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. Um, this kid's where his head is, where his athletic ability is. I mean, put it in perspective. Um, last year he played had a great season. He didn't play football the year before. He was sitting on the shelf. Um, the sky's the limit for this kid. I, I what I will say, I say all that. And so don't crush me on this. Is that press conference did not make me feel any differently about the fear of a sophomore slump. It just didn't. And and my fear about the sophomore slump doesn't come from Adrian Martinez. It comes because last year he had Stanley Morgan. Last year, he had Divina Zigbo. He doesn't have those two guys this year. And how is he going to react if, God forbid, Mo Washington isn't there, and now his best running back can only equate 700 yards? What is he going to do without a 1,000-yard receiver? I mean, those are the things that he's going to have to deal with this year. So it may not be his fault, but there is still fear there. But I even if the, the year isn't a Heisman season like a lot of people are thinking— I think he's still going to have a very good year. I think the sky is the limit with him. But I, I, I don't know if I'm like, yeah, 
you know, he, he's really mature. He's going to have a Heisman winning season. I, I, I'm not there yet where a lot of fans are probably there. Those are great points, Tyler. Uh, way to piss in our Cheerios. Uh, I, I don't appreciate that. But, but you know, th- you're right. You you are 100% right in all of that. You know, he doesn't have those great crutches like he ha- uh, had to rely on last year. And But I just don't. I don't sense that he is worried about that, I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, Derek, help me out here. Well, I, th- I think, uh, especially if the offensive line is improved as much as the coach is talking about him being improved, they're going to open up holes for whoever's running the ball. You can talk about Devine and Zigmo not being there, and that's fair. But, you know, they talk about it more, maybe more in NFL than college, but they talk about it in NFL all the time. Running backs are so replaceable. Wide receivers, maybe not as much, but re- and, and don't forget, as far as wide receivers goes, J.D. Spielman could have easily been a 1,000-yard receiver last year, too, only he missed two games. So he's still got that to go to, and somebody's going to step up. I, I, I know you guys hate this, I know because I don't have an answer as to who's going to step up, but somebody's going to step up. Somebody's going to have to catch the ball. Because like, J.D. Spielman, let's face it, guys, J.D. Spielman's going to be double-teamed and triple-teamed for the first four or five games until somebody establishes himself next year. So somebody's going to have to step up and catch a ball. Yeah, you're right, Dark. I do hate that. Because, yes, someone is going to catch passes. That doesn't mean they're going to catch passes at the rate of a 1,000-yard wide receiver. Like, I I agree. Someone will play better this year than they did last year. That doesn't mean you're going to replace Stanley Morgan. That doesn't mean you're going to replace a Divine and Zigbo. Um, I, I... Again, the optimism is there, but it's just those those guys were great players, and I I think those shoes are pretty they're pretty uh, big to fill. Final word, Derek. Well, I'll agree with you on Stanley Morgan more than I will Divine Zigbo, but I, I think he will be hard to replace. I do Divine Zigbo. I think if the holes are there, I think a running back will will fill his way through. I, it's just. That's the way it works. And, and look, college teams all over the country, not just Nebraska, have to replace players every year. This is not a new conversation. This is something we have every year. This is what makes college football so fun. But at the end of the day, at the end of the year, there's always somebody that steps up. And at the end of the year, we sit here and go, man, that guy was really good. How come I didn't see that at the beginning of the year? So it's, it's well, the fun of college football. Just like, That's, just like, just like you didn't see Divine Zigba. True, Derek, let's just you're be right. Real. You, you've never liked Divine Zigba. You've been a That's, hater. That is not true. One. That is not true. <laughs> I give, I, I'll give Divine Zigba his due diligence. I think it's a tragedy that that guy didn't get invited to the combine. I think he's one of the best running backs in the damn country after the end of last year. At the beginning of last year, I didn't see, I didn't see him barely making third string. But that's my whole point. Is like somebody's going to step up. We just don't know who, and it's a scary thought that we don't know who. But somebody's going to. And, it, and Tyler, for you to sit here and think that nobody else can make any kind of an impact in the game is ridiculous because this happens every year. This is why – this is what this is college football, guys. People graduate. People move on every year on every team. It's Clemson lost players. Alabama lost players. They're going to they're gonna replace these guys. They they reload. I don't think we're at a reload stage right now. I well, think maybe, our depth is maybe our not. Depth but but is again, not you could even go into some of the smaller schools where it, it happens every year to every team. But but Derek, Derek, I think there's differences. So you look at Nebraska history. And let's just pick running back here. And this is going to get off topic a minute. But you you go back to the Bo Pelini era, and you had you know from you had Roy Helu, great running back. 
when he left, there was a pretty good confidence that Rex Burkhead was going to fill the shoes. Was there? Okay, Rex Burkhead left. There was pretty good confidence that Amir Abdullah was going to fill his shoes. When Amir Abdullah left, there was kind of like, oh, shit, what are we going to do now? And you know what? We didn't have an answer. You know why? You know why? Because we had Mike Riley for a coach and he didn't run the damn ball. Okay. But my my point is it's not for me to have a little skepticism. But okay, and okay. It's not if Bo Washington. Let, let me it, let me it, stop you there. Let me stop you there for just a second because you bring up Roy Halu and you bring up Rex Burkhead, and there was a little bit of optimism, but everyone was kind of like, "You don't lose a guy like Roy Roy Halu and just replace him." And we did with Roy, with Rex Burkhead. And when we lost him to injury, everyone went, "Oh shit, we're stuck with Amir Abdullah." And you can sit here and laugh and scoff at that all you want. But it, when he was, what, a freshman or a sophomore, and, and, and Rex Burkhead got hurt, and we had to rely on, on Amir Abdullah, everyone was like, he's going to fumble the ball because that's what he does. And the guy turned into probably one of the best Nebraska running backs since Amon Green. Yeah, you, but the, there was at least a little bit of There wasn't. There was the, not, season, not, Amir Abdullah, there was reaction. Amir Abdullah, there was no optimism for that guy at all. Well, he, I mean... Amir not, Abdullah, not he came into his recruiting class as a third-string running back. He was behind Braylon Hurd and Aaron Green. And, again, we're, we're, we're really off topic here, but like, but he his freshman year, he had a pretty good special teams year. And, Derek, you're talking something that happened mid-season when Burkhead got hurt. The, after that sophomore year, it really Burkhead was, It wasn't even mid-season. We were still in non-conference games. Okay, fine. It was a few games in. My point is, by the time his junior year came around, people were pretty confident Amir Abdullah was going to okay. step in the role. Two years right later. Now, All right. I, I, I want to try to bring this back to present day a little bit <laughs> uh, with the presser yesterday. Uh, we heard from a lot of the coaches, a lot of the players. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we got our first taste of our new defensive line coach, uh, Tony Tuaudi. Did I butcher that name? Tuaudi. Tuioti, okay. All right. Coach T. But we got our first uh, words from him. And, you know, I, I got to admit, guys, when, when this hire was made, I was overly impressed. It sounded like that the media, they were going out of their way to try to push why this guy was a home run hire. And, you know, it, it just kind of seemed like it was pretty artificial. But they're just trying to, hey, pump it up just the same way that they did with uh, Tanner Lee. You know, Tanner Lee is going to be the next greatest quarterback in all of college football, right? But I heard I heard uh, Coach Tuality in his presser, and I am super impressed, guys. I am really impressed by what this guy brings to uh, that defensive line room. Uh, I He is definitely a solid hire. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on this hire? Derek? I have real mixed emotions about this hire. Uh, it definitely was not a spl- splash hire everybody was hoping for. That, and and, I, and you, you can love the guy as much as you want. And, I, and I'm starting, I'm really coming around. I like the guy, but he's still not a splash hire. So, I mean, as far as that goes, whatever. Uh, look, the, guy, the guy's got nine seasons of coaching experience in college. And he's got two NFL experience, uh, years coaching for the Cleveland Browns, if you want to count that as experience. Uh <laughs> You know, the guy was a director of player personnel at Michigan. So so he, he set up everything for he was also the recruiting 
the head of recruiting depart, uh, department. So the guy knows recruiting. I mean, I, I know we've kind of we looked at his recruiting, what he did at Cal, and we kind of hammered him a little bit on that because didn't look like he got a lot of high recruits. But I think we have to remember Cal is a pretty prestigious school when it comes to academics. It's probably pretty hard to get kids to come in there, uh, especially when you're sitting here talking about Cal. Like, what, what what's Cal ever had outside of Aaron Rodgers? They've never been a good school. They've never, it's never been a good football school. Uh, the the one biggest upside to him for me is the the Polynesian school or the Polynesian kids. Like, you know. There always seems to be a lot of high recruits when it comes to offensive and defensive line Polynesian kids. And if he can get your foot in the door with those kids, I think that is a huge upside. Tyler, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I I kind of echo what you guys are saying. You know, he was impressive yesterday. Probably not a splash hire when he got here. Um, you know, there there is some upside with the recruiting. I, you know, I, I guess I got to just go back to the – the notion, I think he has the big shoes to fill. I, I like Coach Dawson. I thought he did a phenomenal job with the defensive line. You know, in my head, I thought if Chandler ever got it promoted to a head coach somewhere, he would have been the, you know, the obvious choice to take over for a defensive coordinator. Um, I, you know, I, I liked him. And so he's got big shoes to fill. Um, you know he he is working with a pretty uh, full deck. I, I like our defensive line core. Um, so and and he's saying the right thing. So I, I'm you know optimistic in that regard. So I'm excited to see what he does this fall. So speaking of uh, coaches, you know last week we had some devastating news. Uh, Coach Javon Dewitt uh, with his cancer battle uh so our thoughts and prayers they go out to him and his family as he tackles this cancer so uh get well soon coach uh so while he is out on as a limited participant i guess you can say uh eric shenander he'll be coaching the outside linebackers which is okay he does have a position group to coach and he coached him at oregon so uh football will take care of itself as what was kept was repeated through the presser so uh, let's hope that he gets well soon uh so guys as we head into the spring camp you know this is the time that husker nation always gets super excited we're always excited at this time of year because basically we only win spring right uh what position battles are you excited for uh as uh, we move down the stretch tyler you know, I, I'm going to go with the offensive line. I'm going to go with the big uglies up front. Um, and and I, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of and I competition, uh, sphere, whatever word you want to use to kind of describe the center battle. But that that is the race to look at. Um, I also just think the way that the guards are going to fill out is going to be really interesting. You know, Farniak. You know, day one, he said he only took snaps at right tackle. I just, that offensive line, Derek has brought this up. It, it is a key component of our success. It's the key component of our success next year, in my opinion. Um, how this shakes out and what feedback we hear from them is is the thing I'm number one into. Derek. Well, you know, that, that was one of them I had written down as well. Uh, I, I'm going to say I'm going to hold off on that one until fall because I'd like to see what, like, Bryce Benhart, who just won a state 
championship in wrestling and up there in uh, or wherever he's from, I don't remember. But Minnesota. Uh, it wasn't Minnesota. I was going to say Minnesota. Damn it. Anyway, <laughs> at, at any rate, he won the state. He won the state championship. So, so congrats, congrats to that kid. Uh, you know, the media has hyped him up so much about being being ready to come in and play. I, I don't know if I buy that until I see it happen. So I'm going to hold off on that on that position battle until fall a little bit, a little bit more. But uh, as far as offense goes, wide receiver's got to be your go-to position battle. Like outside yeah. of JD Spielman, so like I said, somebody's got to step up. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's Mike Williams, Jerome Woodyard. I don't know if Andrew Hunt or Andre Hunt, uh, Wondell Robinson, Miles Jones are now playing wide receiver primarily. I, who's going to step up? We got Cade Warner. I mean. There's there's a lot of bodies there, just none of them are proven yet. So that position battle to me is like wow. I think there's a lot of talent, a lot of good bodies, and a lot of uh, excitement for that position. We just need to see who's going to separate themselves. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. There, I, I like that wide receiver. I like. Uh, I'm excited for that challenge also. And you talked about Cade Warner. I'm with all the guys and all that talent that uh, that the staff has brought in i'm really interested to see if Cade warner can still can maintain that starting uh role there uh at that position you know he, he came on uh in excellent form again when uh tyjon Lindsay when he left he took it over and golly he's been a great addition but there's a lot of hype behind him and this hype has not panned out so far and in the second year in this system, I'm really interested to see what they can do. Tyler, you have thoughts on wide receivers? No, I, I mean, it, it's definitely an interesting battle. I guess, you know, Derek, you named a lot of names, and, and I think the reality is all those guys are going to play. Um, and, and, and it's definitely going to be interesting, the pecking order on snaps, but I think all those guys you mentioned are going to find playing time this fall. Um you know, obviously the freshmen are the X factor. You know, we have one in Javion Wright or Javon Wright or whatever you say his name, who's in camp right now. We have a couple more coming in the summer, but um, you know, I think it's there. And Cade Warner, you know, Justin, I I agree with you. It'll be interesting to see if he keeps the spot. I, the thing that's interesting is I don't know what the hype around this kid. He was a walk on. I know his dad is a Super Bowl you know, MVP, a Hall of Famer, and all this, but, I mean, he was a walk-on under Riley, and I I think he's exceeded his hype so far. Um, I, I'm oh, totally I, I bought in him. Yeah, I, I completely agree with what, what you're saying there, but the fact that uh, in a year like last year where there wasn't a lot of rotation uh, at the wide receiver spot, there wasn't a lot of guys getting a lot of playing time, uh, and Cade Warner was it. Uh, well, I'm just interested to see if he's going to... You, you talk about Keith Warner being it. I mean, that really didn't happen until like the later half of the season. I mean, Mike Williams was in there quite a bit, but his blocking on on, on the run, and run plays were just, was just atrocious. So they ended up benching him. Uh, Jerome Woodyard just never really showed up. I don't, I'm not sure what happened with him too much, but Kate Warner really got in there because of his blocking more than his receiving. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, any other position groups you're excited about, Tyler? Um, I, you know, I, I would go. My next one would be safe 
the I and I, I say that not because I, I think there's a lot of enthralling battles there, but with Jojo Doman looking like he's a primary um, going to be an outside linebacker, there are some question marks at safety. I think that is the most question mark position. You know, Cameron Jones sounds like he's healthy. They talked about moving some corners over to safety, which I think they're going to have to do. I said that on our depth chart uh, podcast. So I, I am very intrigued to watch in that position battle what shakes out there. Derek, does the nose tackle position, does that intrigue you at all? Ah, uh, slightly. I don't know. Hey, you know, I, I found it. I found it encouraging that Tuioti came out and talked about Darian Daniels being the most, the, the best player on his defensive line. Uh, you know, kids just coming in as a transfer. I, I find that a little interesting. But I, I'm going to go back to running backs. If you want to continue on this conversation, like I think this uh, this battle with this spring is it, it is intriguing. You know, we have, we have nothing there. I mean, Maurice Washington is going to be limited. Uh, we're not going to have Darren uh, Dedrick Mills here. We're not going to have uh, Ramir Johnson or uh, the other kid that had the knee surgery, uh, Ronald Tompkins. There you go. Uh, so we're basically, like, Justin, you know, we talked about this. And Wyatt Mazur, I've heard uh, rumors that he's been hurt. So we don't even know how much he's practicing. Uh so right now, Jalen Bradley's like it. I outside of some walk-ons. So this kid's a guy, he's got a chance to prove himself. I, I hear he's gained some weight, and he's up to 205 pounds. He's got a chance to really prove himself. Can he do it? He looked explosive as a freshman. He had times where you looked at him and went, man, this kid looks really good. If he could just develop a little more. Uh, you know, Ryan Held made a comment that he had some off-the-field issues last year. Uh, or not off-the-field issues, but some personal things that happened to him last summer. That really continued on to the season, and that's a lot of the reason why he didn't get any playing time. Has he got all that stuff solved? Can can he? Can he? Uh, he's, he said. I mean, he's worked his he's worked his butt off in uh, the the weight room, gained some weight. Can, is he still explosive? Can I mean, Jalen Bradley kind of has me excited. He's he's kind of my Wyatt Missouri from last year. Well, I guess you could look at it in this way. Uh, since that running back room is so depleted with everything that's going on, you got guys that won't come in until the, the, the summer. Uh, you have the Maurice Washington thing. They're, they're pretty depleted. So whatever happens in this position battle is probably not going to be representative of what's going to happen in the fall. I mean, I think the fall is going to be really when that running back uh, battle, where it really gets interesting. I, and, I, you know, I You're agree. Right. I agree with you to an extent, but I think if I think if Jalen Bradley can can make a name for himself and actually play like he looked like he had the potential to play as a freshman, I think he can actually get his name in that battle. Where before, I didn't think he had a chance to get in that battle at all. That's fair, Tyler. You have thoughts on the running backs? No, I mean I, I agree. I think Jalen Bradley, where he ends up fitting into this mold, is going to be key. Um, none of us had him in our three deep. Um, you know, and and a couple weeks ago, does he crack that? Does he end up making maybe the second spot? Where does he go? I mean, we all liked him coming out of high school. He's an Omaha kid. Um, yeah, I, I'm pumped to see what he does. All right, we're going to move on here. Twenty four seven Sports. They had an article today uh, that projected the over unders for win totals for all Big Ten teams, and in that article, they listed Nebraska as 
Six and a half. Six and a half was the over-under for wins for the 2019 season. Tyler, what did you think about that? I thought it was low. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic about this season. Uh, but when I heard six and a half, that was a little bit lower than I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be seven and a half. I think there's a lot of hype the way we ended the last year. I was hoping the media would respond to that. I was in Nebraska, and they seem not to have so far. Derek, are you uh, betting your house on that over? I would. I mean, for, first off, let's let's understand that 24-7 was trying to project what they thought Vegas would have these odds at. They weren't really saying what they thought these odds were going to be. They were trying to project what, what Vegas would have the odds at. Uh, it, it's very low to me. Like, the schedule sets up too well for Nebraska this year. I think there's some good improvements on this team. Uh, there, there's still some unknowns. Like, we talked about it a little bit with wide receiver and now running back. and uh, I, There's definitely some unknowns. So I get where they're coming up with a little lower number. But six and a half just seems really, really low to me. You know, I was looking at it. So to me, they're basically we, we're better than four teams on our schedule in the, in the Big Ten uh, as far as where, where they're projected. So I assume they have, and we're tied with Purdue. So I assume they have us winning those four games, plus two of the three non-conference games. There's your six wins. So now you're just basically betting: can we beat either Colorado or Purdue? Yeah. And if you hit those, you're hit. You're hitting the over. So, well, to, I, to, so to me, the over seems pretty easy. Well, I, I'm really curious on what Vegas is actually going to list that over under. But you know, let, let's not forget, uh, Nebraska's hit the under in three of the last four years. Uh, we just haven't been doing well against this over under uh, in years like last year. Uh, well, both years really, where it just seemed like, hey, the over is going to be a no-brainer, and we get four wins in each of those years. I'm not saying that four years is what I'm thinking this year, but uh, it just kind of has me on pause a little bit because it's not what I thought it was. So you're saying we're due? Well, you know what? I'm kind of with Tyler here. I I thought it would be at 7.5. So when I see a a line like 6.5, it's like, Okay, let's try to take the homer out of me. And why is it at six and a half? And it just doesn't compute why it is that low. Uh, it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense, is what I'm saying. Uh, but you know, usually that's a tell sign. It's like, well, shit, you're missing something. It's going to be low, I guess. I don't know. I, I'm with you. I'm curious to know what Vegas has of that. Because if Vegas comes out with six and a half, I'm either going to get really scared about this season or I'm betting a lot of money on Nebraska on the over. So I, I'm also curious on what our friend Adam McClintock has uh, the win total set for. He should have his model completed here by the end of the month. So maybe we can get him on the show again. Uh, I, always, I always appreciate his feedback on all that stuff. Uh, any last thoughts on spring ball, guys? All right. Well, let's get to last call. It's going to be last call to you, Tyler. My last call is out to one Stanley Morgan, who uh, just participated in the NFL Combine. You know, his 40 time may not have been what some people would have hoped for, but overall it was okay enough. But 
He looked impressive in some of the other drills. Um, I think he's got his draft stock right where he wants. I'm curious where you guys see him going. Derek? Well, you know, uh, I'm torn on this. I, I, I personally see him as like a fifth or sixth round probably. Uh, you know, before before the before the combine was announced who they invited, I honestly would have thought a, a Zigbo probably would have had a better shot of getting drafted earlier than uh, – than the Stanley Morgan, but the fact that he can get invited to the combine kind of really makes me backtrack that. But I mean, as far as it goes, I I think he's a good I think he's a good receiver. I don't I don't think he's one of the top receivers. Uh, he, he's a reliable catch. He's not the fastest guy out there. He, he he's he's a good he's a good second receiver I think in the NFL. So I see him being like a six, like five five or six round. Yeah. I- I can agree. Maybe, you know, four or five round, fourth or fifth round. But uh, I want to talk about his speed for a second. I, I was actually impressed that he ran a four, five, three in the 40 because I honestly didn't give him credit to be that fast. I thought he was more on the uh, low end of that four, five range, maybe even a four, six guy. I just never was impressed with his speed. But four, five, three. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's not blazing speed by no that's, means. That speed was below average. He had a defensive end and a tight end both beat us. Beat, both of them beat us forty time. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't read too much into that. But well, if you're talking about Noah Fant, he beat a lot of people. I mean, <laughs> but but for him being a wide receiver, I, I just never thought that he was the blazy guy. But a four five three is respectable. Hell, Eric Crouch, he ran a four four seven in the 40, and I thought Eric Crouch was a blazing guy. So, I mean, I don't know. I I, th- I think blazing guys back in the early 2000s and the blazing guys now are different, though. Well. I mean, they had, well, a, guy, they had a guy that ran like a four three eight this year. I mean. Well, <laughs> they, they have those guys every year, though. I mean. That's just, blazing to just me, Just because you. Just because you run a super fast 40 does not necessarily mean that you're going to be a great football player in the NFL. All right. Well, then this uh, whole, whole conversation has been void then. <laughs> no, but at the end, good, good, good job, Stan. Last call to you, Derek. All right. I'm going to try and keep it as short as I can because I know it's last call, but – Oh, baseball, baseball, baseball. Major League, you want to always talk about speeding up the game to invite fans in because you think that's the biggest problem. Let me tell you what your biggest problem is. Your biggest problem is you have a guy who turns down a $300 million 10-year contract to play with a team he's already playing with, and then he turns down a four-year $180 million contract to make $45 million a year to turn around and play for the Phillies. Yes, that's you, Bryce Harper. Playing for the Phillies at $330 million in 13 years, making $25 million a year. The guy could have made $30 million a year, $45 million a year. He gets $25 million a year. You greedy son of a bitch. You know what? Baseball, you want to you you get uh, fans involved? Get a salary cap so all these dumbass uh, contracts and stop. I mean, you know what, Tyler? I'm going to go to you there. Go for it. Well, that was a lot to say that, but I, I'm I'm gonna actually go give some props. Props to you, Bryce Harper, for making some money. Um, 
Yeah, that that's a big contract, and and the good news to me is that in four years the Phillies are going to suck. So Cardinals have a better pathway to the uh, World Series. You know, kudos to Bryce Harper's agent for getting him that long term deal for three hundred thirty million first. But you know what, Derek, you're exactly right. What the hell is Bryce Harper thinking? I mean, if you have, he's what twenty six years old, right? Is that what you said? Twenty six. Twenty six. All right, four year deal. He could have got another long term deal at thirty. Yeah, absolutely. $45 million a year for four years to play in L.A. Is that what it was? Yep. What the hell? You pass that up? And I got to say, I think you got a better chance at winning uh, World Series at L.A. in the next four years than you do at Philadelphia. Am I wrong for saying that? No, probably not. So, but you know what? If you want a long-term deal... You know, until you're 40, that, that I guess that's cool. I mean, maybe maybe he knows that he's going to be a broke dick bastard by the time he's 31 <laughs> years old. So, but you know, the problem is there's, there's also a no trade clause. There's no there's no opt out for it. I mean, it's a 13 year deal. He's stuck for 13 years. They're stuck for 13 years. It's yeah, a guaranteed deal. There, there's no options at all in this in this contract. And this seems like a retarded contract to me for both sides. Like this this contract makes no sense to me for either side. Uh, I, I I hope Philly just burns in hell for this, you know, I, for the next thirteen well, years. If they do, they can send Jake Arrieta back to the Cubs, so we can. Do that again. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll save our own, right? <laughs> hey, hey, last call to me. I'm going to keep it with baseball, except I'm going to talk about Husker baseball. Thank God it's like shitty conditions in Lincoln, you know, with your little polar vortex, because now the series against the 21 ranked Baylor has moved to my hometown of Waco, Texas. So I get to watch this Husker uh, and Baylor series this weekend here in Waco, and it's going to be like 70 degrees down here. It's going to be in the 70s. It's going to be beautiful. I might even go play a round of golf before I go, you know? What, what are you guys doing this weekend? Not playing golf. <laughs> All right, well, well, that's going to do it for us. We'll be back next week to talk more uh, spring ball. There's going to be some more debates. I'm sure Derek will be fiery, uh, as always. So be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter, at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Our episodes can be found everywhere, to include Podbean, iTunes, Spotify. We appreciate any and all feedback, and please share our episodes. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, go Big Red.